Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and joining me tonight on this cold Thursday evening here in Connecticut, once again, Taylor Silva. Taylor, what's going on? What's up, David? How you been? I've been doing great. It's been a enjoying the potential end of the Pats dynasty. As a Giants fan, it makes me incredibly happy to have the end of that be seemingly right in front of us. And you know, just playing a lot of hoops, hanging out uh, with my roommates, and it's just been a just been a great week. And the football doesn't stop, and we have a lot of incredible games coming up. We obviously have the NFL this weekend, and we have the college football. On Monday, it was a two-week break for the college football playoff, and now we're back, and it's kind of the matchup we've all been been looking for. So we're going to hit on the college football playoff and then dive into the, the four NFL games this weekend in the divisional round. But first and foremost, do you have any thoughts on the games from this past weekend in the NFL? Uh, what are their our picks went, what, 1-3 and three or 0-4? Oh I can't even remember. But uh, that was crazy. Uh, Kirk Cousins played... Played really, really good against the Saints. Uh, they ran the ball well. Saints looked pretty pathetic as a Saints fan. I was not not impressed. Coaching, players, everything didn't. I mean, it only looked like a few players were came ready to play. So that was kind of that was disappointing to see. But um, that was a great game. Buffalo played a great game with a couple crazy Josh Allen plays. Didn't make sense with the lateral to Dawson Knox and. Somehow Deshaun pulled that off. I think that's what is him and uh, I think the 16-point comeback was the same as the uh, Clemson-Bama game. So oh, wow. Two of those now. But, uh, yeah, that was a great game. Uh, Derrick Henry, I mean, running all over the Patriots in that dynasty. That's I mean, that was wild. In Foxborough, Tannehill, that was, that was crazy. That was, uh, that yeah, was a the- really good game, too. The, the the amazing part of what, about that was that it was it was it was like everyone knew exactly what Tennessee was going to do and the Pats knew it too and they just couldn't do anything to stop it. They Derrick Henry was going to get the ball and he was going to get at least four and a half yards every single time he touched the ball and they just couldn't stop it and and we were both wrong about this one we both picked the Pats just because we didn't think Ryan Tannehill was ready and that we couldn't believe they were going to lose at home to Tannehill we both kind of thought they would lose this week to Kansas City but Tannehill to his credit made the throws at the end of the game when he had to and when they were driving they he made the throws to get the first downs and he didn't turn the ball over he didn't he didn't cost them the game he was a he managed the game really really well and it was a good game plan by Mike Rabel I loved the clock management he did by taking those two penalties and pulling the Belichick. We talked about this earlier about how Belichick was credited with being such a genius for it. And then Vrabel does it to like, you know, he's using his own tricks against him. I thought that was yeah, brilliant. You could see how mad uh, Belichick oh, was getting during that too. Oh, he was so mad. <laughs> uh, but then also just talking about the, the NFC games for a second, I don't understand these people who say Carson Wentz is injury prone because he got a concussion. Like you yes. are not injury prone. If he pulled his hammy four times each year, okay, then you're injury prone. But just like think about his injury. So he tears his ACL in week 14 against the Rams on a touchdown, which was just a freak play. 
Then he like breaks his back, which is another freak injury and a freak play. And then he gets a concussion on a maybe dirty hit by it was Clowney, right? And yep. you know, none of those make him injury prone. No, three freak injuries right there. I mean, it's especially a concussion. Concussion is the one that you. I mean, that's not that's not injury prone. That's that's just foolish to even think of. I mean, it's not that's not something you can prevent, especially when you're diving down like that. That's just yeah. And it's and it's, and it's professional football. They guys describe it as each week is like a car crash. On any play, any player who plays college or NFL football could get a concussion on. They probably do get a lit mini concussions. So just because so it just happened to be in a playoff game instead of week two, and people are upset about that. But I thought Josh McCown actually did pretty well. I I thought for a second Taylor we were going to get a little more Eagles backup QB magic. And I thought for a second that they were going to beat the Seahawks because the Seahawks can't do anything normally. They can't win no, games they, that they're supposed to win in a normal fashion. No, they, they, it's been, it's been the tale of their whole season is somehow it just stays one possession and Josh McCown had a chance right at the end. And you just see just how much that game meant to him and, uh, meant to those players. I mean, Seattle just had, just had more. I mean, the, the Wentz injury, we kind of knew it just, that kind of hurt them too much for Philadelphia. They were already, I mean, already down the whole right side of the line. And it was just, it just wasn't, wasn't their year. But uh, I was, yeah, I was, like you said, I was really impressed with McCown. The, uh, you could tell in the post-game interviews and everything and just how much the game, like I said, the game means to him. And uh, he just seems like a great guy. 100%. And if you think about his story this year, he was retired coming to the season. And then in August, the Eagles said, hey, we need you to become be our backup quarterback. And he was like, okay, I'm in. And he got a chance to play in the playoffs, and it didn't work out. But if he chooses to retire again, he's had a great career, and it was a great final moment for him. But we're going to get to talk about this all off season. But the big talking point, obviously, after the Pats game is, is this the end of Tom Brady? Do you think Tom Brady will be on the Patriots next season. I cuz I cuz I think everyone agrees he's going to be playing football next season, but do you think he will be for the New England Patriots? Uh I think he will. Uh, I think they'll probably I think they'll probably give him at least one more contract. I saw I was I mean I was listening to the herd today and Peter King was saying that uh if they did move off the name kind of uh coming in would be um Dalton uh I think they could bring in Andy Dalton. That's what uh, Peter King said today, and that was kind of shocking. But that kind of made sense if they ended up trying to move on from Tom. Because I mean, I, Tom's been taking pay cuts all his life. I don't know if I mean, I can't really tell if he's like if he's trying to take the pay cut again and then just use all the money they have to surround him, or if he's trying to just go to the go to a roster ready now, still take a pay cut, but just just probably play with a contender. I decide. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be on the Patriots. That's my feelings right now. Obviously, all that can change as we move forward. But I just think Belichick has always got gotten rid of guys and has cut guys or traded guys a year before everyone realizes that they should move on. He's always a year early on pretty much everyone. And throughout Belichick's career, he's been known as the guy who is willing to and can cut anyone and that no one is more important than the best interest of the team and I think it's a point of pride for ego of Bill Belichick to potentially I think cut Tom Brady or or not bring him back because I think he's a free agent so they won't technically cut him they'll choose not to bring him back 
not just for for Belichick's ego of hey, no one's more important than the team, but also it's like I'm the best coach of all time. I can do this without you. I can still make the playoffs without you with a yeah, different quarterback. And it seemed like a couple of years ago with Jimmy G. I mean, he was starting to kind of show that is that you know we can I mean we can push you out if we want to. So yeah, I can see it. And and I also think that it could give them a potential. I think it would be pretty cool to see what could Bill Belichick do with one of these. Because Brady, obviously, is the greatest quarterback of all time. But everyone kind of knows how he's going to attack you. I think it would be really interesting if you gave Bill Belichick, not like a, a, obviously anyone as good as Lamar Jackson, but someone who was multidimensional, someone like a Carson Wentz who could make all the big throws and run a little bit. Just, just to see the type of stuff Belichick could, could draw up and what he could do with a quarterback like that who is just more mobile than Brady. Yeah, do you? What, what, I mean, who do you think would be the would be the would be after Tom? Who would you say? Everyone's talking about the Chargers, which makes me think that a little bit of when LeBron was still with Cleveland, but all the rumors were with that about the Lakers. I feel like if everyone's talking about it. There has to be an inkling of truth there. People are talking about the. That, sorry, wouldn't that just be a huge shot to Philip Rivers though, just coming from old to older? True, but I, I think that's a huge shot to Philip Rivers. But I think that if any team really besides, I think there's like five or six teams because, like the Seahawks, uh, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Packers. Uh, and probably like a couple others. Like if Tom Brady was on the market, if Tom Brady went to your team and Tom Brady's like, I want to play for you guys, how many teams do you think would just say, no, we, we'd rather have our guy? Because I think it's Russell Not Wilson. Because I, I think it's Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if, if you're Houston, for instance, would you rather have Deshaun or Tom Brady for just one season? Yeah, I think him. I think Dax in that same conversation too. That's, those are two tough ones. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be a shot to Rivers, but also Rivers wasn't that great this year either. So maybe they're going to try to move on from him, or Rivers is going to retire. Uh, Vegas makes sense because it's like the big market team, and they're going to need a f- big name player. As they're obviously going to Vegas this year from mm-hmm. Oakland and Los Angeles, and. But I, I still think that the spot that makes sense, and I know that they came out and said that we're committed to Mitch Trubisky as our quarterback for this year, but I think that the Chicago Bears is the landing spot for Tom Brady. Very good defense, good offensive coach in Matt Nagby. Uh, they have weapons on the outside. They have Allen Robinson. They have they have good running backs. They have a solid offensive line. I know Kyle Long just, just retired, but that with, with that defense, I think... And Chicago's still a huge city, loyal fan base. Brady's not afraid of the cold. Uh, I think Chicago makes the most sense. Yeah, I, I, could, I like that. I could easily see that. Another name I could see is, I mean, I think the Colts would be a great option. Honestly, I think with, I mean, with their organization, I mean, uh, Br- uh, uh, Brissett's already backed up Tom before. I think he could just easily go in there. And I think that would be another good situation because I was – I mean, I was high on the Colts uh, coming into this year before they Andrew Luck, so I think they've still got players around there, and they've got a good young defense too. And you know who's been all over the Colts Brady thing is your guy Colin Coward. Is he really? He's he's been talking about it, and I heard Bill Simmons say this. Apparently, Coward is close 
or knows the GM for the Colts pretty well, I guess. And yeah, I remember him saying that. And and the and, you know maybe he knows something, but but personally, I don't think Brady would go there because of the Peyton Manning connection. I think it makes a lot of sense on paper for all the different things with their defense and the weapons, and they have good running game, a great offensive line, great offensive mm-hmm. line. But will but would he go to Peyton Manning's franchise? LeBron went to the Lakers. You know, LeBron wasn't afraid of going to Magic Johnson's team or Kobe's team. So maybe that's not a factor. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, like you said, that, that Peyton Manning thing is pretty. That's a good point. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm kind of. I know everybody else is going to be locked into it too. I just we'll see what Belichick and Robert Kraft decide to do. For sure. So m- moving on, we're going to have five games to give our picks for this week. Hopefully we can do a little bit better than last week because uh, we both picked the Texans, but then we got the obviously we got the Pats game wrong and we got the Seahawks game wrong and we got the Vikings game wrong. So we were one and three. Not great, but hey, it was early and you know it's all about how you, it's, it's all about how you finish. So we're gonna sure. jump jump right into it. The college football playoff. National championship is on Monday night. This game is on ESPN. Uh, this is the game that we have all been waiting for. All of us college football fans, this game is at 8 o'clock on ESPN Monday night. It is the top-seeded LSU Tigers at 14-0 playing against the number three-seeded Clemson Tigers from the winners of the ACC who are also 14-0. and uh, and I just cannot wait for this one, Taylor. This is the two best teams in the country. You have the reigning national champion, Clemson Tigers. You have the best team in the country all year, LSU. Uh, you got the Heisman Trophy winner and Joe Burrow and likely number one pick going up against maybe the best college quarterback prospect maybe since John Elway and Trevor Lawrence. And... There's just storylines all over the field, but I'm I'm so excited because this is the matchup I want to see all season. Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait. Monday night's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's uh, it's it's the top two picks. I mean, it's the tie. It's the number one pick in the next two drafts. We know that. Uh, Burrow's having one, probably. I mean, one of the greatest all-time seasons in college football history. I mean, he's already thrown for over 5,200 yards right now. And he's four touchdowns away from tying the all-time record of uh, Colt Brennan's 63 touchdowns back in 2006. So he's, I mean, he's he's got a chance to set that record, and he's already set plenty more. And uh, and like you said, with Lawrence too coming out next year, I mean, he's he's he's, I mean, he's the highest touted quarterback we've seen since Locke Elway. I mean, it's he's he's got it going. He's got it all. He's uh. He hasn't had the best season this year compared to last year, but I think that was more of uh, – it seems like they've tried to run the ball a little more with him. So I think he's just still just trying to get accustomed. But uh, I, it's Monday night's going to be a great game. I can't wait. Cannot wait. So right now LSU is favored by five and a half points, which seems like a lot to me, Taylor. A little disrespectful to Clemson, but a lot of respect is being given to this LSU offense and Joe Burrow. So one of my favorite things we do every week – or pretty much almost every week is do a check-in on Joe Burrow's ridiculous stats. As you're saying, he he's having one of the greatest seasons in the history of college football. He obviously, after those seven 
great touchdowns in the first half against Oklahoma. He's up to 5,200 yards passing, 77.5 completion percentage, 55 touchdowns through the air, only six interceptions, and he's averaging 11 yards per attempt. And he's added four more touchdowns on the ground. So 59 total touchdowns in 14 games is absurd. I think he's going to break the record. Because I, cause, cause I think when, when, when you look at this game, the first thing that catches everyone's eyes is Burrow versus Lawrence. And Burrow is having an incredible, incredible season. And I think he's going to break that touchdown record. And he's unstoppable. He is, the way that he commands the offense, the level of confidence he's playing with is actually really fun and inspiring to watch. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. That, that four and five touchdowns is going to be really tough. But uh, like you said, the way he's playing, I mean, I've never seen. You can just see it. Like he's got the it factor, man. He just see. He wants the ball in his hands. He wants to make the big play. I mean, he's he's tough as nails. Not afraid to get hit. He's just he's he's a gamer, and he's he's. This is his stage. I mean, this is what all these guys have dreamed about. I just, I, I, he's he's. They're going to be ready to play. And speak and Trevor Lawrence impressed me two weeks ago with his level of toughness, just with the amount of hits he was taking against Ohio State and the way he was running the ball. He obviously had that huge touchdown run, but also just the different runs he went on for those six to eight yard gains and just the hits he was taking. That really impressed me. And when just when you look at these two quarterbacks, it's the level of poise both these have. Trevor Lawrence obviously wins the national champions as a freshman looking way more way beyond his years in terms of his maturity level and he's really handled this season really well coming off the national championship everyone's saying that oh you should just sit out the next two years and you'll still be the number one pick and yes his numbers were a little down because of a slower start to the season but the way that he's handled this season with all the expectations is really impressive as well and we say that his numbers are down just because he has eight interceptions, but he still threw for 3,400 yards, 36 touchdowns, uh, added eight more on the ground, completion percentage of 68%. You know, he's th- he still had a really, really good season. It just wasn't Joe Burrow or Tua level. Yeah, it was, it was still a great season. I think he had near 500 rushing yards too. So, I mean, he's... Like I said, they kind of changed the game plan a little bit for him this year, but uh, he's yeah, he, he had a remarkable season still, one of the best. I think he was still PFF rated him as the best, uh, the best passer in the red zone this year. He had he seventy four completion percentage with eighteen touchdowns and no picks in the red zone. So he's still, I mean, he's still got it. We all know what he can do. He's got it, and obviously, no quarterback would be elite without their wide receivers. And we have two position groups for these teams of maybe besides for Alabama the best the two of the th- of the three best in the country in Clemson's wide receivers and, and LSU wide receivers uh just t- just talking about Clemson's first and foremost you have T Higgins incredible explosive player he had 1100 yards and 13 touchdowns on 56 catches then you got Justin Ross 61 catches and eight more touchdowns Travis Etienne the running back I think is perhaps the most dangerous player on Clemson when he has the ball in his hands because he can do just like when when he touches the ball he's always a threat to score he added 32 more catches and four touchdowns on top of 
1,500 yards on the ground. So Clemson has a, has a lot of weapons for Lawrence to play with. And I think ETN, even though he's a running back technically, I think he's the best one by far. Yeah, you, you nailed it. ETN, ETN's the he's he's the guy. If, if they're going to win this game, it's it's got to be about ETN. I think I like I like Higgins. I like Ross a lot, but Higgins. I think Higgins was four of seven when targeted last week or uh, against uh, Ohio State. So it's he's kind of his kind of cons is he's kind of struggled like with separation a little bit, not really being able to do that. So I think Fulton or Stingley, whoever's locked up on him, should. Should pretty much lock him down, kind of on the outside. But I think Etn in the middle, in the middle of the field, if they get Etn the ball, he's he's the playmaker. He's the guy that is. I mean, that's got to be circled on Dave Aranda's uh, radar. He's he knows that. I mean, he's the guy for Clemson. He's just so explosive, and he's one of those guys. We talk about this a lot in college basketball, where you have these guys for these blue blood programs who play all four years. So my great example is Perry Ellis on Kansas or Grayson Allen on Duke. These guys who are really good all four years, and by their juniors and senior years, you're like, is, wait, how is this guy still in college? I feel like I've, I feel like I've watched him forever. That's how I feel about Travis Etienne because throughout this Clemson mini dynasty run of making of winning two national championships in the last three years, he's been incredible. It feels like in all three years, and. I don't even know if he was on the team for all three of them, but it just feels like I've watched him so much that I would want my New York Giants to pick him. And wherever he goes next year in the NFL, it feels like he could have an Alvin Kamara-esque impact on any team because he can. you just got to get him the ball in space because anytime he yeah, touches the ball, he could score. That's Yeah, that's his thing. He's a... Uh... He's not one of the best, one of the top running backs. I like the vision or inside, but when you get him in space, sometimes you get the ball in his hands. It's 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 positive things for Clemson for sure. So let's flip over to LSU side because Joe Burrow has some elite weapons as well. He has Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who both had 18 touchdowns this year, over 1,400 yards each. Jefferson had 102 catches, Chase had 75. Then you have Terrace Marshall Jr. 43 catches and 12 touchdowns. Got Thaddeus Moss at tight end for 42 catches. Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of the backfield had 50 catches. So he's a guy like uh, Travis Etienne, who's a weapon out of the backfield catching the ball. Uh, he can do a lot of things too. You, we will be seeing him on, on Sundays as well. This LSU receiving core, I don't think is as good as Alabama's, but it's up there. And Burrow just has the confidence in these guys that he's going to put the ball up in space and just these guys are going to make plays. The level of confidence Burrow has in Chase and Jefferson and Marshall is really fun to watch because it's just the bond of the teammates, and it just lets Burrow do things that other quarterbacks wouldn't have the faith to do. Yes. Yeah, like you said, they're, I mean, they, they're they right there with Bama, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, I, think they're, I think they're that talented. I think they're that good. Uh, Jamar Chase is a freak. Uh, I think he's going to be a high first round pick next year. I think uh, I think he, he could go top ten for sure. Uh, Terrence Marshall too. He's coming up. Uh, he was a he was a big five star coming out of the high school, and I've I've, I've been big on him. And he's he was kind of like Jalen Waddle on Alabama, just like the, the third fourth option, and still not really getting talked about. But he is he is still a damn good football player. And then Justin Jefferson is like. Uh, is like T Higgins. He'll be a first round pick this year. 
Um, I think Etienne and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they're very similar. They'll probably be second roundish, I'd say. But that's yeah, there's so much weapons. And then you said it, Thaddeus Moss too. He's a uh, he's been a big difference maker, and I think that's that's going to be a big. That's who that's who uh, Venerables is going to have to kind of watch out for. I think he's kind of hitting a little bit, and he he's got hands. I mean, just like his dad, Randy. So. Yeah, 100% um, uh, that weapons all over field for LSU. And let's just flip over the coaches because I got two questions mainly for this game of, of what I think it will come down to. But let's first hit on the coaches. Dabo versus Coach O. And I think most crucially where this game will actually be won is with the coordinators. You got the defensive coordinator of Brent Venables of Clemson versus Joe Bree of, of LSU. And we got Dabo and Coach O, probably two of the three four best coaches in the entire country, both beloved by their respective fan bases. Coach O is getting the the national attention for the thick Cajun accent and the way that he eats like like the, just the legendary stories about him about ordering 15 pounds of crawfish, even though the restaurant doesn't have any, and his New Year's re- resolution of eating less, but he knows it's not going to happen. And my favorite story was... He was doing some crazy workout really early in the morning, and he told and he, one of the equipment an- managers asked him like why he was doing it, and he said, "Son, the day I can't wait the, the the day I can't wake up and still beat a man up is the day that I'm not getting out of the bed." I thought that was just incredible. <laughs> I mean, how could you not love that man? <laughs> like, like he, like he is such a great motivator. We, we've talked about this before. I don't know how much actual coaching he does, but he's an elite recruiter and he's an elite motivator. And he, the guys love him. He, they love playing for him. And he gets them to play hard. And he gets them to, pl- to play together. I think that's really, really important. You can talk about how he's not the best X's and O's guy and he's not going to be the one directly drawing up these schemes the way maybe some, some other guys will. But so much of coaching, uh, my dad loves to say, it's not about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy and the Joes. And he, he understands the personal relationship part. Yep. Uh, I think you nailed it again. I think, uh, like you said, Dabo and Edo, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty similar. They're kind of more of CEOs of their program, I feel like. Uh, I feel like they're there, like you said, they, they kind of just more of the, the Jimmy and the Joes, and that's that's where it comes down to these assistant coaches, where where they're they're the real ones that I think made it uh, big time matter. And it was kind of weird. Uh, I think I remember Dabo had like a play calling sheet against Ohio State, so I don't know if he was calling plays, which is not not normal for him. So that was kind of interesting to see. I don't know how that's going to turn out Monday, but uh, yeah, I think uh, Brennables, Fernables is going to be ready. Uh, uh, I think, I mean, uh, uh, I'm going Joe Brady. Joe Brady's going to be, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's going to be ready for this game too. I mean, it's just both, both are going to be prepared. I think they know which each other's strengths are. And uh, Joe Brady, like the, like you said, they do a lot of motioning. And if they don't motion, usually that's more of an ETM. I mean, uh, Clyde Edwards will lay a run. So that kind of, he kind of shows that. And then Venerables on the other side, he's got Isaiah Simmons where he can put anywhere. And that guy is one of the best prospects I've seen in a long time. I mean, he's, I think he's 255 pounds and he's, I mean, he runs like a safe, he runs like a deer out there. He's, he can play any position on the defensive side. And it's, he's, he's going to be the one that's, if, uh, if they're going to win this game, he, he's going to be making some big time plays. Isaiah Simmons is one of those guys who makes it fun to watch defense. 
you know, because because so much yep. of the time we talk about offense and the wide receivers make these great plays and they're on all the highlights. But watching Isaiah Simmons play defense is really, really fun and really enjoyable because, as you said, just the way he runs, he's all over the field. And the, he's, 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 he's in basically every single play. And you're like, how did he get from there to there to make that tackle? And you're like, well, because he's going to be in the NFL. That, that's why. But he's doing it on the fields with against Ohio State where practically everyone on the team is going to get a legit look at, at, at potentially playing professional football. And he stands out amongst elite athletes. And that's when you know that this guy is different. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. I mean, he's going to end up being a top ten pick for sure this year. Um, I mean, he could play anywhere, any position on the defensive side. Um, he's, I mean, he's elite edge rusher, linebacking. He's so fast; he can cover anybody. He's just he's he's an all around package, and, and Frenables knows how to use him exactly like he is. So Taylor, I I think that this game is going to come down to two questions, and 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 these are pretty basic, but. This is something Ohio State couldn't do, which is my first question. Can the LSU defense stop Trevor Lawrence when it matters? Because I believe this game is going to come down to the last possession or the last two possessions for for each one one of these teams, of these offenses. Can this LSU defense stop Trevor Lawrence when it matters? Ohio State couldn't. Trevor Lawrence able to drive down the field and score a touchdown. Can this LSU defense stop him when it when it really matters? And then on the flip side. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, and and then on the on the flip side, can Joe Burrow outscore Clemson the way he did in Tuscaloosa against the Tide this year? Can can Burrow outscore Clemson, and can LSU stop Lawrence? I think that's what this game is really going to come down to. And I I, I personally think they can do both. Um, I think the defense the defense is finally healthy. They just got back. Um, uh, Michael Divinity Jr. Uh, Rashard Lawrence inside and then Tyler Sheldon too with Glenn Logan. Uh, I think those those guys up front are going to be able to close lanes on ETN. So they're going to either have to get him outside uh, or I'm not, I really don't think they're going to be able to run the ball that well. So that, that turns into is Trevor going to run the ball or is it going to be more passing? And that's when I think Patrick Queen who's going to probably, probably spy Trevor all game. That's what I would kind of I'm kind of assuming or kind of thinking that's probably what's going to happen. Ohio State played more a little, a little more man-to-man kind of just coverage back, and they just they they didn't really spy, and that was kind of that kind of let Trevor get these big runs, and I just I just I don't see that. Uh, uh, Patrick Queen, I mean, he shut down Jalen. I think Jalen's a better runner than Trevor, so I just I, I just I think the defense is going to be there. I think, like you said, I think I think Joe, I think it's just destiny for him. I think they're going to score enough points. They, uh, they made just enough stops in Tuscaloosa and they scored just enough that I think I think they're going to pull it out. I think a big key, though, to this game is the kicking, the special teams. 100%. He's got a kicker. And honestly, Clemson does not. LSU's kicker is a true freshman. And he's got ice in his veins. I mean, he, he can knock down kicks. His, uh, his name is uh, Cade York. And uh, he's a true freshman. He's made five, five forty-five yard field goals in five different games this year. Not five total, just five different games. Uh, but yeah, just he's. Uh, I think that's going to be a big part. I think Clemson will get those stops, but I think Cade York will be able to knock the field goals down. What we saw 
Clemson was pretty shaky against Ohio State in all year this year kicking. So I think that's going to be a big, big part of the game. But I think, yeah, I think, I think LSU pulls it out and probably an all-time championship game. And we've already had a couple of those with Clemson and Bama, but I think this one's going to be right there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. With the kicking, we talked about this before. I think I talked about this with uh, with Coach Sass, but BT Potter hasn't missed an extra point for Clemson yet, but he's 12 for 20 from field goal range. And as you mentioned, Cade, Cade York has has gone 21 for 26 from field goals, and he's made four of five from 50. And he's made five from 40 to 49, and that's a huge advantage in these games because you talk about just each point matters. So, so, so you're picking LSU? I I don't I don't personally like the line at six. I mean, a couple of weeks ago it was going to be a pick on where Clemson minus one. So I think that's just Vegas kind of just going a little too much, and public and everybody else putting money on that. But yeah, I think Clemson. Uh, not sure about the five and a half or six points. I mean, I, I like LSU, sorry, but not sure about the five and a half or six points. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think LSU is going to win this game. But if you had to ask me to pick the game according to the spread, I would take Clemson plus five and a half because I don't think LSU is going to beat them by more than a touchdown. Uh, I think this Clemson team is really, really good. But as you said, I think it's Joe Burrow's year. I think it's his magical season. It's destiny almost the way that this season has has unfolded. And I think LSU is going to win. I think Coach O is going to get his national championship and when he gets back to to bad roots, he'll have a thousand pounds of crawfish wait waiting for him. <laughs> so I mean, that Bourbon Street's gonna be rocking if that happens. It's gonna be like Mardi Gras. So so moving on to the NFL, we're gonna have to go through these a little quicker, but that's okay because the the college game was was is my big was the game I really wanted us to spotlight because I think it's gonna be the best game. But we got four NFL games as well, Taylor. This this week we got two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Uh, we got Vikings 49ers on Saturday afternoon at four, and then we got the Titans and the Ravens Saturday night at eight o'clock. So let's just jump right into it. Vikings 49ers. San Francisco is favored by a touchdown in this one. They're seven points favorites. They're the number one seed, obviously, in the uh, in the NFC, and everyone thinks that they're going to win. People don't think Kirk Cousins can do it again. Uh, but, but what do you think is going to happen in, in this one? Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is going to do it again. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Minnesota outright, honestly. I think uh, Dalvin Cook, I mean, he, he showed me last week. He was so impressive. And then Hunter, 99, from uh, on the D-end. I mean, he's just he's been a monster all year. I think they just, they've got a great roster. I mean, San Francisco's got a great roster, too, I think. Quan Alexander's coming back, so but I, I think it's going to be a good game. I just I'm taking I'm taking Dalvin, I'm taking uh, Kirk Cousins over Jimmy G and and Shanahan. That's a bold bold pick. Uh, Kirk Cousins played really well against the Saints last week. I was really impressed. I was one of those guys who said I you know it's it's Kirk Cousins on primetime. I wouldn't pick him. I wouldn't trust him. And boy did he make me look wrong and look foolish. And you were right. The the way that you were talking about it was you kept picking him in the Vikings because you were like, hey, he's got to win one eventually. <laughs> and, you know, maybe they has got that huge monkey off his back now. He's got a lot of confidence because, hey, they're going to San Francisco with nothing to lose. 
No pressure at all. All the pressure's on Jimmy G and this Niners team that went 13-3 and three and was the best team in the NFL all year. Uh, the, the defense for the, for, for the 49ers is a different challenge, though, than, than New Orleans is. This defense is really fast, they're really physical, and they're really good. Uh, but my question about the Niners is, does this bye week affect them? Because we've seen in the past, not necessarily last season, but we've seen in, this, in the past that this bye week can affect teams, and especially teams that haven't been in, the, in this situation before. So I think that's something interesting. Does San Francisco look sluggish? Do they look rusty coming into at the beginning of, of the game against the Vikings? Yeah, I think that's that's a big deal, honestly. I, I think you're right. Uh, there's I saw some weird stat that it was like, I think it was like 4 and 17 or something in the last 21 games of, uh, of the bye week quarterbacks coming in home whenever they're seven points or more favorited. So I think... I think that number's too high. I think I think uh, I slight Minnesota. I think, like you said, it's it's a scary thing when a team that good is playing with with nothing to lose, and that's that's uh, that's that's. I would not want to be a Niners fan. No, and and people aren't realizing this Minnesota team is also really really good too. Really good. Uh, th- their losses this year, uh, they had some tough losses. They lose to Green Bay early by five in in Green Bay. They had that famous loss to Chicago early in the season where they just looked really, really bad. I think that was the game where uh, Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen started complaining, one of their wide receivers. But then they ripped off four in a row. They lost a tough one against Kansas City by three. But, you know, that's Mahomes, and Kansas City is awesome. Then they lose by seven to Seattle. And then they lose to Green Bay again. So they lost to Green Bay twice, and they lose another tough one to Chicago. So they lost four division games and to Seattle and Kansas City. But they're really good, and they were in all of those games. Like the biggest loss they had this season was by ten points to Chicago in Week Four, when they just didn't play well. Every other game, oh, excuse me, they, they lost by thirteen to to the Packers on on Monday night. But they were in pretty much every other game during the season. Yes, I mean that's exactly. I just I, I think they've they've consistently just kind of just slid under the radar with a great roster, and they they've they're starting to play it. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I think, finally got that monkey off his back, like you were saying earlier in the dome. After I did not think it was going to happen, and I just uh, they're 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 playing some really really good football right at the right time. So you're taking the Vikings outright. I'm going to take the Niners to win this one, but I think the line's too big, so I would have Vikings plus seven. Uh, but I think the 49ers are going to win this one because I just think that their defense is really, really good. So I'm betting on this one being a low-scoring, very physical game, and I'm just betting on the 49ers' defense to be able to hold them just enough uh, to for the Niners to win this one. So, so the next game is Titans against the Ravens. This one's on Saturday night. Uh, in Baltimore, Baltimore, one of the best teams in the league, maybe the best team in discussion with uh, with San Francisco this entire season. And the Titans are coming off that huge win against the Patriots. Baltimore is favored by 10 points in this one, Taylor. That seems really high and really disrespectful to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but... It's been the Lamar Jackson show all season. He's the MVP of the league. Do you think Lamar can get his first playoff win of his career? I 
do. I'm with you. Ten points is a lot of points. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know about that line, but I think I think I think they will. I, I think Lamar's. It's just something something special about this team, and and it, it could be something special in the future happening right here. And we just uh, start before our eyes. I just I don't know. They they just seem to play together. They seem. They're, I mean, they're they just they. They're just about each other. It's it's not many individual things. They've got they've got a really good roster too. They, uh, I think Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. Still can't believe that he hasn't won Coach of the Year. Um, I just I, I think it's too much. I, I think Tennessee, like you said, they they've had a fantastic season too. Derrick Henry, I mean, he's been a monster. Uh, gonna I'm I'm pretty interested to see how he does against against Baltimore, who's been pretty consistent against the run. So. Uh, I'm excited to see this game. Um, two, two very dynamic running teams in different ways, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited. But yeah, I'm taking Baltimore. Yeah. So, what? So, so we talked about this last time. What do you think is the recipe for the for for the Titans for the Titans to pull pull an upset? Because they're going to need to run the ball uh, really well because. That's their that's their advantage, right? Their advantage yep. is Derrick Henry running right up the gut, and because teams cannot stop it. So I don't know what they really need to do or how they can get going. Because because as you said, Baltimore has a very good run run defense. Uh, they are fifth in the league in rushing yards allowed per game at. Just at 93 so Derrick Henry's going to need to get like another 140 it feels like because because yes. I'm not uh, counting on Ryan Tannehill to outscore Lamar Jackson no I think yeah I think the only way it's, uh, I think they got to score they got to score early and they got to score quick uh, I think if they can get a lead early in the game and then just just if they're able to just run that bell cow, Derrick Henry, just let him just just keep eating a couple yards, needing that clock. I think that's I think that's the only chance they got to win. I think they got to force Lamar to throw the ball. And uh, yeah, I, I just I, if if Lamar's in his normal system and just running the ball like he normally does, I, I don't think they have a shot. But I think if they can score early, score quick, uh, and then just start trying to just 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 get a couple yards here and there and let Derrick do his thing, uh, I think that's their only way to shoot uh, to win. Yeah, and I, I think they could look at the Kansas City game and the Cleveland losses for Baltimore as what's the formula? Because in those games, Lamar, especially against Kansas City, Lamar only completed 51% of his passes, didn't have a passing touchdown. They were really able to frustrate him and limit him a lot. And then against Cleveland, they, were, they Cleveland was able to get again without two interceptions. And that is huge. So if they can find a way to get Lamar to turn the ball over a couple times and start thinking about the moment and the playoffs, Baltimore really lucked out that it seems like it's going to be a nice night weather-wise in Baltimore Saturday night. Uh, we were anticipating, I think, that it could be really cold or rainy, but it seems like it's going to be pretty mild and actually kind of warm for a January day. Uh, so they lucked out, but I think if Tennessee can get a couple turnovers and just chew the clock with Derrick Henry and just be really, really physical the way they were with New England, that's the recipe. But I'm with you. Ten points is a lot. So, again, I would take Tennessee plus ten on, on the road, but I think Baltimore is gonna, going to win this, win, win this game. Which brings us to Sunday, Taylor. The Sunday games 
Uh, they're treating this like the conference championship in terms of the timing of the games because we got the Texans at the Chiefs Sunday at 3 o'clock, and then we got the Seahawks at the Packers at 6.40. So a Sunday night game in Lambeau. Uh, that will be a lot of fun to watch and freezing for everyone going. But let's start with the Texans and the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by 10 points. Patrick Mahomes back in the playoffs, coming off the bye. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Mahomes do it this time. He was great in the playoffs last year. I think he's Lamar's going to win MVP, but I still think Mahomes is maybe probably the best quarterback in the NFL or right up there with Russell Wilson uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers and, and Jackson. Uh, I'm excited to see because I think the, the Chiefs are going to go out and this Texans team is good, but they're not great. And I think it's Mahomes' time. It's redemption for their loss last year against the Patriots where they probably should have been the, the Super Bowl team. I think Kansas City is going to defend home field and win this game pretty handily. Uh, I'm so confident in this one. I'll take the Chiefs minus nine and a half. Wow. Uh <laughs> That's 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 a bold call. Uh, I could see it. I could see a late late touchdown. Yeah, getting them over that. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm taking the Chiefs. Uh, they lost early in the year to Texans, but but we know the Chiefs were not as healthy. Um, I just I, I think they're too healthy right now. I think they're ready. Tyron Matthew too against his old team, Bill O'Brien. Uh, just I think this is uh, this is. I think it's just too much for, for the Texans. Uh, I think the Chiefs are just ready for this game. Patty Mahomes too good, and their their defense is actually playing playing a lot better recently. So I decide uh, I'm taking taking Kansas City. Yeah, don't know uh, about the ten points though. <laughs> that that I'm just really confident in this Kansas City team because their defense is playing way better than they were earlier in the season too, uh, yeah. which I think is a big thing. And the Texans. The Texans just don't – they always fall down, it feels like, in, in every game. They rely on Watson to make these miraculous plays to get back in the game. I don't think Bill O'Brien's a very good coach. And the Texans find ways to get in their own way a lot. And that is okay. Like, you can overcome that when you're playing Josh Allen at home, but, it's, but you can't overcome it when you're away against Patrick Mahomes. That's why they can never really beat the Patriots in the playoffs, it felt like, the last few years, because they could never get out of their own way. And you can't make those self... You can't have self-inflicted wounds when you're playing against these elite, elite quarterbacks in the playoffs. So I got the Chiefs. Uh, I think the recipe for it does Houston have a chance is they need to start way better than they did last week. They can't fall down a couple scores to Kansas City the way that they were able to Buffalo. Because if Kansas City gets rolling, Mahomes, when he's feeling it, is like Steph Curry on the basketball court when he's he, when, when he's feeling it. It is fun to watch if you are a fan of his team or neutral, and it's painful if you're rooting for the other team because the, because the game is over. He is unstoppable. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a good comparison right there. You, you're, you're not lying. Uh, yeah, if he's, if he's feeling it, it's, yeah, good luck, Houston. But um, I just I really don't know. I'm not I'm not sure how they honestly can win this game. I mean, they got to stop somehow in defense. I mean, they've got to stop Patty Mahomes and that explosive offense. And uh, and Deshaun's got to kind of look better than he has. I mean, I know he played he played really well in the second half of the Buffalo game. But like you said, in that first half, he just did not look good. And I mean, Laramie Tunzel's killing him. I mean, he gets at least one 
false start a game, it's it's pretty ridiculous. So I just I don't know. I think they make too many mistakes. I just I I just don't see Houston pulling any. Uh, just, I just don't see Houston anyway pulling this up. Yeah, so I'm I'm right with you. Both got Kansas in this one, which brings us to the final game of the weekend: Seahawks at Packers. Uh, the Packers are favored by this one by five points right right now, which seems a little high, but at the same time, uh, they are thirteen and three, and Seattle's so weird that I don't think anyone knows really what to expect from Seattle on any given week. Uh, but I think a big factor in this one, as in any playoff game at Lambeau, is the weather. Right now, it's going to be the projection is twenty four degrees. Uh, it will probably get colder as, as the night goes on, but it's not one of those frigid, frigid nights. Uh, but it'll be cold. And and Seattle, obviously, a West Coast team. Does that play a role? Uh, I don't know how much how much that's going to affect them. I think Russell Wilson's just too much of a gamer on the road that where the cold is just not going to affect them. They, they, seem, they seem pretty tough with that, but yeah. The line line definitely seems a little high. I think that's probably because I think I think uh, Lambo gets four points from Vegas for being home, so minus one kind of seems right on neutral field. But yeah, I'd, uh, I like the Packers. Uh, I'm taking them at home. I like how their their defense has played. I know they're they're young in the secondary, but still is uh, uh, Davia Smith and then Preston Smith up front. I, mean, I just I just really like how they played. Uh, Rodgers still needs a little help on the outside, but I think if him and Adams get a chance, they they, they can they can do something. I just think I don't know. I just think I mean I, I've been hating on Seattle all year long, but I decided I just think they their their trains got to run out of gas sometime, and I just I just don't see it happening. I mean I just I just don't know how they can keep getting through with all these one score games and low point differential. I just don't I just I just haven't seen it, and I feel like it's got to come to a halt sometime. Well, Taylor, it's not going to be this week. I think I, I think Seattle goes in and wins. You know why? Because it's Russell Wilson. He does the impossible seemingly on a weekly basis where the Seattle team just, I'll, I'll say it, they're not very good. Like, when you watch them play, you're like, how is this team 11-5? How are they winning all these games? How are they in the playoffs? You're like, this team shouldn't make the playoffs, but they might win the Super Bowl like in the same game, you know, <laughs> they're impossible to figure out really weird to watch, but yet entertaining because I don't know if there's a quarterback in the league that I would rather have two minutes to go game on the line than, than Russell Wilson right now. Cause I feel like yeah. he's going to make the right play every single time. And the way he can run, I think is going to be a huge, huge factor in this game as it was against the Eagles where I, th- I remember one play, it was like third and 15. Oh, no, no issue for Russell Wilson. He runs first down, keeps the drive going. And I think that'll be a huge thing of keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field. Yeah, if, if I just, that number, if that guy in that number three jersey does it again, I, I really don't know. I just, I, don't, I, just, I just can't buy into him. I just, I don't know. He's the only player that I see that's doing anything. And like you said, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a magician because somehow he just keeps pulling wins out and they just keep, Keep churning along, but I mean, I just, I just, I don't know. I just cannot buy into him because I think it's only that guy in the number three, and that's 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 it. His his MVP case, the way I started to think about, it, is a lot like the the LeBrons, or not really like the the LeBrons, but it's the 
it's the idea of valuable versus best. Like Russell Wilson probably is the most valuable player in the league because if you put an average quarterback on the Seahawks, they're drafting in the top ten, and but you have Russell Wilson and they're in the playoffs competing for the division and maybe going to make a run to the conference championship or, or the Super Bowl. And that's, I think, his case for for the MVP. Lamar Jackson was the best player in the league, but I think that the Baltimore roster was way better than Seattle's from, from top yeah. to bottom. So I think Baltimore might have made the playoffs if you put an average quarterback on that team. I obviously wouldn't be as good, but I think they still make the playoffs. Seattle would be, they would be like, should we, trade the farm for Joe Burrow or should we try to take Tua? Like they would not be in the playoffs anywhere near the playoffs if they didn't have R- Russell Wilson. And he, I don't know. It's just, he's just one of those guys who I'm just refusing to bet against now. It's kind of like the LeBron thing of when he was in the playoffs. It's just you'd never pick against LeBron. I, I don't know if I'll ever pick against Russell Wilson again. He's burned me too many times. Yeah, and he, he'll probably turn me into a fool this year if he holds that uh, host that uh, Lombardi Trophy too. So I just I don't know what. Like you said, we've talked about in the previous pods. I mean, I, I think Russell should get a lot more mention in, in the MVP because he's I mean he's doing it with nothing, and it's just like you said, if, if they had an average quarterback, if they had a Kyle Allen right now, I mean they'd be drafting top ten. So it's just I just. Like you said, it's that number three. I just I believe it's got to come to a halt unless he really is just. I mean, the I mean the greatest quarterback we've seen like this. I mean, one of them. So I just we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Packers, and I'm not sure about the number, but I'm, I'm going to take the Packers. I think it'll be a close, great game though. So in recap, you got the Packers. I got the Seahawks. We both picked the 49ers. We both had the Chiefs, and we both had the Ravens. So we're in unison on three of the NFL games, but we have a difference. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Minnesota. Sorry, sorry, Minnesota. My, my mistakes. So, you, so, so Minnesota. So you got Minnesota and Green Bay. You, you're a big fan of the NFC North. I got the NFC West, Seattle and San Francisco, and then we both got the Chiefs and we both got the Ravens for the NFL. And then on Monday, we both got LSU over Clemson. Right. That's right. Go That's, Tigers. Go Tigers. It's the battle of, of the Tigers. Um, it's going to be a great weekend of football. It's one of those great weekends to just sit on the couch, order wings, order pizza, make sure the fridge is locked and loaded with all your favorite snacks because you're not going to be wanting to, to leave the couch this weekend. Yep, we've got three three great days of football. Um, I, I can't wait. I'm super excited. Uh, I just... This is, I mean, it's this is the best time of the year. We're getting, we're getting in conference playing basketball right now, which I love too. And it's postseason football, so it's, it's just, it's hard to beat. You can't top this. So Taylor, thanks so much for joining us again. Can't wait to talk to you next week to break down all these great games. Uh, enjoy the football this this weekend. Yep, you too. All right. So that'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. Uh, last week we gave a movie recommendation. We recommended Uncut Gems. And this week I'll give you guys a book recommendation. Uh, I just finished reading Michael Lewis's The Fifth Risk, talking about the transition team for the Trump government and just the the things, just really, really interesting read. It was a lot of things about the government that I never knew. Michael Lewis makes it into 
really interesting terms when you talk about the, you know, the Department of Commerce and different things about the weather. It made a really interesting read and kind of just the dangers of not knowing how the big government works and the dangers of, of uh, ignoring problems and not knowing things uh, and not understanding the, the data. So really, really interesting read. I'm not doing it the justice here, but it's a really interesting read. I highly recommend it. So that'll do it for this week. Uh, next week, we're going to have Taylor on again, talk about all the football, uh, really enjoying the playoffs. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys all next week. So take care and make it a great day.